Our text today is in Psalm 145. Psalm 145, if you'll be finding that in the Old Testament Scripture. Some of you will remember that our plans uh, for the future is to have a new children's building connected over here in this hallway. And... um, and I mentioned last Sunday we have about uh, 99,000 that's been given so far. And I don't know why it's 99. If somebody wants to write us a check today, that'd be awesome. <clears throat> but um, we are going to go forward with this. And we've called it Project 145 based on the psalm, Psalm 145 and verse 4, where it says that one generation shall commend your works to another or to the next generation and declare your mighty acts. So the purpose of this new children's building is to declare and describe the wonderful works of God to the next generation. And we believe we have some uh, wonderful young people who love God and also what is called um, Dr. James White from South, uh, North Carolina, a wonderful uh, author, he calls the people, the, the young people born uh, from 1996 onward, Generation Z. And he says, one of the things he says in his book on uh, this uh, youth, this age group, uh, he says is that, that many of them are not in church and would be considered the first generation to be brought up in a post-Christian society. That is, that they are not, it's not that they are simply not interested in the Bible or the Christian faith, but they are not interested in any religion. And where you know on the uh, surveys where you sometimes you have to fill out something that says mark your preference whether you're Protestant or Catholic or other. Well, there's a new category, none, and that that has been the fastest rising category that people are now checking is that I'm not anything. And so one of the things that the church, we believe, and this verse illustrates it, one generation commends your works to another and declares your mighty acts. Uh, Sometimes we as a church and even parents, we have uh, forgotten to make sure our children know the works of God, know who God is, know who Christ is, Know the stories of redemption in the Bible. 
So I want us to look at this psalm today, Psalm 145, and kind of get the environment for this text that has become our sort of platform from which we are hoping to build this this building. And the first thing that you notice about it is that it's a song of praise. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another. Now notice in the flow of this psalm that it is the greatness of God that pushes out and pushes forward and provides the impetus for telling the next generation how great he is. It is a people who are amazed at God's greatness. And that's what you have in verses 1 through 6. It's going to give us three or four motives, this psalm, will give us three or four motives for actually pressing this issue, raising money, praying for help, asking for guidance, and being sacrificial. Why should we do this? And one of the things is the greatness of God pushes us. He's so worthy of praise, glorious in attributes, that his praises run over and flood into the next generation. Now that's what you get in Psalm 145 in those first few verses. It says we are to... Commend his works. This is the English Standard Version. I think the King James says praise his works. But commend them in verse 4. This means the story of creation. This means the global flood in Noah's day. This means the great exodus of Israel from Egypt. The crossing of the Red Sea the preservation of the Jewish people for 40 years in a desert, the Sinai Desert, where they were fed with manna that just came down from heaven. Those stories. It means David and Goliath. One one young man with just a slingshot, but he has God on his side. Faces Goliath, experienced bigger, greater, but he doesn't have God on his side. There's a revival under Hezekiah. There's a great return from the exile under Ezra and Nehemiah. There's the wonderful courage of Esther. And we are to commend these incredible stories to our children. So they have heroes that are of the faith. The greatness of God is a primary motive 
for our new building. It's, we're, we're motivated, of course, by the, by the, to help our children. But the greatness of God is the primary motivator. The glory of God is the primary motivator behind, this, behind the new building and behind this vision. If there is a sunset that is so beautiful and it's, it's orange streaks across the sky, sometimes I'll get a text Man, did you see that sunset? They're pointing it out, you see. It's so glorious. Or if somebody has a new car, beautiful car, they'll send you a pic or put it on Facebook. Look at this. Yay. Because it's got attributes that are admirable. And they want you to share in its greatness and beauty. Well... How much more do we want God to be glorified before our children? That's the motive behind it. There's not only here, verses 1 through 6, the greatness of God as a motive. But there's also, starting in verse 7, there's the benevolence of God. Notice verse 7. They... They speak of the might, verse 6, they speak of the might of your awesome deeds, declare your greatness, verse 7. They pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness. They pour forth the fame. I love the way he says that. How God is famous for his abundant goodness. And so we... We are motivated by the goodness of God, the benevolence of our God. The unique nature of the God of the Bible, as, it, as he is contrasted with all other gods. The unique nature of his benevolence, as contrasted with all other religions is stark. There's a sign, or there was, I didn't, I don't think I saw it this morning, but there was a sign going down Linden Road uh, last Sunday that says, said, love one another. It's a quote taken from John 15, 17, where Jesus said, this is a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. The God of the Old Testament especially as he is fully revealed in the New Testament, is a God of love. Our children need to know that, that God is good. This sign reminded me of the God of the Old Testament when in Leviticus 19, verse 9 and 10, he says, when you go to reap your field right up to its edge, do not go all the way to the corners nor gather the gleanings after the harvest. Don't make another run through and get up all the the remainders. You shall not strip the vineyard totally bare, nor gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. Leave all of this for the poor and the stranger. God was concerned about those who had very little, the poor, and those who were the sojourner, the ones passing through, the stranger. He said, so leave some in the field so they can pick it up. That's, that's our God. 
he, he cares about these people who are just passing through. As in terms of teaching on giving to others, works of mercy and charity, forgiveness of others, this is all at the roots of the Christian faith. Some months ago, a fire destroyed the Victoria Islamic Center in Victoria, Texas. Uh, Donations were sent in to rebuild the mosque and the amount surpassed a million dollars. Someone had burned it down and so the community as well as people outside the community, sent money in to rebuild this mosque. Four churches volunteered their buildings for the Muslims to meet in and worship on on Friday. I think they worship on Friday. um, Until they could get their building rebuilt. That is amazing. Because if you tried to do that, let's say you're in Saudi Arabia and your church building burned. Do you think that the citizens of Saudi Arabia would rebuild it? Let me answer that for you. (laughs) The answer would be absolutely no because you wouldn't have a church building in Saudi Arabia. It is against the law under penalty of death to be a Christian. But not in America, not in the United States. It has a Christian environment. It has a Christian context and a Christian background. The Judeo, Old Testament, Christian background of this nation has produced a generosity that has surpassed every nation on the earth. Our God, the God of the Bible, the God of the Old Testament, and the, as fully revealed in the, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, as he went to the cross and hung on the cross, that was the love of God for us. So I tell you, it is important that we communicate and commend to our children the God who loves them. This is a God of love and he is is someone you will want to know. Amen. It's why we ought to give and put that building up. A third thing that I see here in this psalm, look look at verse 10, starting in verse 10. All your works give thanks to you, O Lord, verse 10. And all your saints bless you. They speak of the glory of your kingdom. Now here, this section talks about his kingdom. Look at verse 10. 12, to make known to the children of men your mighty deeds and glorious splendor of your kingdom. Verse 13, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures forever through all generations. So the first section of the psalm is God's greatness. That's a motive. He's glorious and great. And the second section of the psalm is God's benevolence. That's another motive. The third section of this psalm, starting in verse 10... And going down to verse 13 is God's kingdom. God has a sovereignty and a rule 
And that kingdom is forever. Did you notice that? Verse 13, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. So when we, when we say we want, to, we want to invest in the future of our children, you know what we're saying? We're saying we want to put the eternal over the temporal. We want the kingdom that's eternal, not our fiefdoms that are temporal. I was uh, with a pastor this week, and uh, he he told me that he had been in uh, full-time ministry now for 25 years. He used to work for General Motors, and about 25 years ago began to feel a calling from God that he should go full-time, that he should be full-time. He had a good salary. He had course, benefits. He had a retirement plan. But he felt like God was saying, I want you to leave this and serve my church. Of course, that's a struggle. You're leaving the security of General Motors for the security of a little church. That particular church that he went to was about, it was so small, they were about to close, actually. There's about 15 of them that kept meeting. And this was in the early 90s. He, he did, however, respond to the call of God. And now he serves a thriving, growing, exciting church. It's one of the top three churches in our association of Baptist churches here in Genesee and Bay Area. Well, God has taken care of him for over 25 years And guess where he worked? AC spark plug. You know, they closed in, wasn't it in the 90s? And he said to me this week, he said, the plant closed, but the church is still open. (laughs) I thought, amen, amen. We sometimes look at these great factories and these great programs and we think, I'm so secure with them. And here's a little church. Uh, The way the psalmist put it, your kingdom is everlasting. We, when we say, when we ask for an investment into this new building, we are asking for people to invest in that which is eternal and not just temporal. You're going to do something with your money. We need to make sure much of it goes to that which is permanent. Then the fourth section of this psalm starts in verse 14. And I will put this one, we call this one, the provision of God. Um, if the first section is the greatness of God, that that's a motive. And the next section being the benevolence of God. And then the section on the kingdom of God. Those are all motives for commending our, our God to the next generation and, and investing in our future. 
the last section, starting in verse 14 and going through 21, I just called it the provision of, of God because notice verse 14, the Lord upholds all who are falling. He raises up all who are bowed down. Look at the word all. Verse 15, the eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. Verse 16, you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Uh, Verse 18, the Lord is near to all who call, all who call on him in truth. If you put a circle around the word all, it'll be a half a dozen times that he uses that word. The God of heaven is providential. He is his, his works and his care and his concern and his control is over everything in the entire universe. Especially those who call upon him. Verse 18, the Lord is near to all who call. Uh, do you want God to, I know God is everywhere all the time. But there's a special nearness when you simply say, Lord, I need you. I need you. This is too big. And here's his promise. He is near to all who call. Hallelujah. That'll get the presence of God in your life right there. In fact, I wrote down, I put the date this week. He's near to all who call because I want I wanted him near to me. This gives to us this provision of God and his answers to our prayers gives to us a fourth reason we should teach our children and invest in our future. They need to know that they should look to God in humble faith that he's there for them, that he helps them, that he answers prayer. He is everywhere with everyone all the time, and he is watching over us. I mentioned the pastor a few few minutes ago that went to a church and has built it up. Uh, It it made such an impression on me that uh, because he he told me, I, I knew he had multiple sclerosis. And I also knew that there is no known cure for that. You can go into remission. But he told me this week that he had, I'm not, by the way, I'm not going to tell you what his church is. I'm afraid y'all all all go over there next Sunday and I'll be here preaching to the back row. But he said, you know, I've had that for several years. And it would go into remission, but it's just remission. It's going to come back, and it would. He said, there were times when I was so bad, I literally could not get out of bed. And he would pray. He said, Lord, you've called me to pastor this church. And he prayed for healing. He prayed for help. And it says in verse 19, he fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. And he told me this week, this pastor did, that he had been free from symptoms of MS for about two years, long enough that he was now wondering where it was. He went to his doctor, and his doctor sent him to a neurologist for tests. 
they did they did uh, MS testing on him. They they checked for like lesions on the brain nerves or something. I don't know, but it's like that. And the doctor's diagnosis was that he could find no trace, no symptoms, no evidence of multiple sclerosis in his body. Amazing. I have never heard of a person healed of multiple sclerosis. Do you all know that God can do things men can't do, even doctors? Oh, we have to look to him. Our children are going to face issues in life that neither they, nor their friends, nor their teachers, nor their parents, nor the experts, or the physicians, or the educated can help them with. Only God. And we're going to show them there's always hope. (laughs) Amen? There's always hope. You know why? Because you can pray. And he's near. And he saves and he delivers and he heals today. So when we look at this psalm, these are the reasons that we are focused on this like a laser beam and that we are going to press this issue in these months to come. I mentioned James White. And he says that we are living today in a pivotal time, a hinge moment in history. How can we make the most of it? And his point is, let's go after Generation Z. Those born after 1996. Using the motivations of Psalm 145, a concentrated ministry that commends and praises God's greatness, God's benevolence, God's kingdom, and God's provision, especially to those who pray. We'll be offering cards so that you can tell us, here's how much I can give over and above my regular tithe. Everybody can't give to the building and we pay our bills. So it has to be over and above your regular tithe. But over the next couple of weeks, we'll make these available to you. We've got a a meal today uh, uh, planned for primarily our leaders, but I'm sure there's going to be enough if anybody wants to stay and eat. We'll be sharing some more with you about our vision and where we are and what our next steps are. So you'll be welcome to stay. If there's not enough to eat, then just get you a glass of water and sit there and enjoy the fellowship. And I promise I'll go last, so just in case. But... uh, We would love to have you. I want us to be praying now. What does God want each of us to do? Jan and I have been talking about it, praying about it. And as we go forward, we're going to ask God's blessing on us and ask him to do some things that we just didn't see was in the picture because he is that kind of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we bow before you, 
we are reminded in this psalm how wonderful you are. Things that are eternal in the heavens. There are things more important than how we look or what we drive. I pray that you will lead us, renew our hearts in faith and in love. And may you be glorified in this church in days to come in Jesus' name. Amen.